Hi, and welcome to episode 1.5 of the Borcelli Brothers podcast. I'm Mike Borcelli. And I am super bored of these intros, Mike. Yeah. You Are you not? I I mean, yeah. We do it the same way every time. It's it's getting a little stagnant. I think I think we need something to spice it up and I totally agree. You know what? I I have been spitballing some ideas with Nick. Okay. And uh I think I think Nick might be ready for uh, to help us out with this cuz honestly like I ZZZ snoring. Right. These are bad intros. People are shutting off our podcast right at the beginning when they hear us intro. Okay. Well, Nick uh So Nick, we need something like so. This episode is about the, the future the and future and, and the possible the end of the world. End of the world. So, do you have anything that can we have some background music or something that is, I don't know, like apocalyptic or something? Something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yes. That's a little too heavy. Maybe that's too it's a heavy. little too apocalyptic. Maybe maybe that's not what I was thinking. Okay, no, I don't like it. No, sorry, Nick. Uh, maybe something. Maybe we just need to jazz it up a bit, groove it up. Oh. Okay. 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 I'm liking this. I'm digging it. Let's listen to this. It's a nice little bass line that's yeah, got going we, there. Can we turn that bass line up a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What do you think? I like it. I think it needs uh, some guitar. You want to hit me with some guitar, Nick? Oh. Okay. 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 So now we're now we're there. This is much less boring. Yeah. This is. Yeah. This is way better. I'm feeling it. Yeah. Good job, Nick. Totally. Some still missing. I love the guitar. Maybe a little more guitar. Some lead guitar. Lead guitar. Oh, yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. How are you playing all of these instruments? Nick. Oh, my God. Bit of a you, uh, we always knew you were awesome, but uh, you, this is you actually shining. You're really shining today. If only, if almost for the first time. <laughs> like, this Kinda. is like... I didn't know you had it we, in you. I feel like increasing your your wage from zero to, to like we'll, giving we'll, you free alcohol. Yeah, you can. You can actually have some, some of the free steam, steam whistles. <laughs> how about uh, how about you throw in some keyboard? Can we get oh, some keys? Oh, some keyboard, some keys would be great. Can you do that, Nick? I know you only have so many hands. Oh, oh yeah, God. it's a little bit of a Happy Mondays kind of kind of sound there i like it yeah okay so can we what do you think can i think i think we can do this now all right welcome to episode 1.5 of the borcelli brothers podcast i am mike borcelli and i am sean borcelli today on the show we have a wonderful conversation with artist writer independent scholar and teacher of teachers jesse byer oh yeah uh, we start talking about uh, all kinds of stuff. The future. The future. Teaching students for that future. Teaching students for a future that seems pretty bleak. And also we talk about some futuristic movies. Yeah, and what uh, we, we, we choose. Sci-fi possibilities. Choose our own futures. 
Uh, we also, right. we kind of do a bit of time travel because we recorded this before some key events. Yeah. So you'll hear us speculate about the future, mm-hmm. which and, we're in right now. And you will hear the results right now as in this intro, which is we're still here. We're still alive. We, we made it. Uh, we voted in. We voted out Harper. Uh-huh. And prolonged our existence for a little while for Canada, and also uh, the Doomsday Cult, uh, aka um, the is it I Bible? I think that uh, the something what like they call the E Bible. E Bible, right? I Bible is Apple's um, <laughs> product. The E Bible uh, group uh, was wrong when they said that October seventh would be the absolute end of days for us. Not true, not the case. It was actually the night that we recorded this podcast, October 7th, and there were still hours to go after we finished recording it, and none of us knew whether or not we would ever speak to each other ever again. Truth. You know what? I like this. Can we have some more keys? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. See, this is... Why didn't we do this we right from the have beginning? This all the time. Nick, why didn't you tell us you could even do this? I've never seen someone use all of their limbs. Like Man. You're, you're like, you're using your limbs right now. But he he's using the extra keys with his penis right now. You hear that? There, there it is. is. <laughs> right there. One That's more the time. One. There it is. Oh. The dick smash. The dick smash. <laughs> the dick the smash. Nick dick smash. Yeah. All right. That's what you call this this track, dude. Like, this is... Play a little Nick fuck. dick smash for us. Yeah. All well, right. So, I think this is a much better Much better. Intro. Way, way better. Uh, how do we finish? How do we go from this and well, like, get I think into we, our I think we take podcast. it down. We got to bring it down. Can we bring it down a bit? Can we strip it down right a in? little? Let's strip it down. Let's take away those keys. Okay. Oh, yeah, you zipped up your fly. Yeah, good. Put that thing away. The dick smasher is disappeared. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. down right to basis. where we started. All right. Oh man, I like it. I do too. All right. Well, this in- is the Borcelli Brothers Podcast 1.5. Enjoy. Enjoy the show. I shouldn't find it in my junk drawer, which I did. Found it in my junk drawer. 
Really it's not drunk. Ju- it's not junk. <laughs> Your drunk drawer. Drunk My drunk drawer. drawer. Well, what goes in thing. a drunk drawer? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Secrets. <laughs> left leftover drugs. Leftover drugs. Yeah. Self esteem. Um, I don't know. Not your self esteem gets left in <laughs> someone's self esteem. <laughs> oh shit! I, I came home with the wrong self esteem. I'll just throw that in the drunk drawer. <laughs> It's like wearing someone's shoes home from a party. Yeah. Yep. I wear someone's coat home from a party. It was the same as my coat, though, but a little bit smaller. Oh. <laughs> so it wasn't what the until... hell happened? Oh, those yeah. party snacks were <laughs> like, delicious. Yeah. As I can tell mm. by this coat, it doesn't fit <laughs> properly. Okay, I can probably get into it. See, that's a good warm-up. And that was a nice little warm-up. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Uh, well, welcome to the Borcelli Brothers podcast. Today on the show, we have Jesse Byer. Uh, Sean, uh, yes, I'm here. Do you do you, do you want to uh, introduce Jesse? Uh, I feel like I always introduce people on our podcast. Uh, I think it's time for you to introduce. Uh, you should actually also. Mike has just pulled out his phone because I think he's texting someone in the middle of our podcast. I'm really, I'm not. I'm not. I don't understand what you're doing. I found at the end of Jesse's link a great example of how to introduce her. Oh yeah, she's a she's a writer, an artist, a scholar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna read that. Anyways, she's a writer, artist, and scholar. Yeah, see, I memorized it. That's a a Scully Agent Scully fan. I wish. Uh, I wish I was a fan of Agent Scully. (laughs) She's such a bitch. (laughs) With all that she's seen, why, why does she not believe yet? No, I love Scully. I was gonna say I wish I was Scully. She's had an alien baby Mm -hmm. born out of her womb and then taken away. But she's still a skeptic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is Jessie Byer. She's an artist, writer, and scholar, uh, and she teaches at the U of A. Mm-hmm. And what what is it you teach at the U of A? I think she teaches at the bigger university in Edmonton, the the University of Alberta. No, it's bigger than that. I think <laughs> the, the big one, the, the, the one that has the most students and doctors and stuff come out of it. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't go. I don't know where you're. Uh. Athabasca? No. no it it, is does, it starts with an of Alberta. A. Maybe August, it, are you thinking of Augustana? That's a smaller one. Well, you know what you would know. What uh, <laughs> where do you where do you teach at? It's uh, Mike was right. I teach at the University of Alberta. Ding ding ding. Yeah. Oh. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> nice one, Mike. <laughs> you did your fact checking before yeah, we I did, did this. I awesome. read uh, I read the link. Uh so what is it you teach at the University of Alberta? Um, I teach a variety of things, but I teach in the Department of Education. So I teach teachers. Oh. Yeah. So meta, teaching teachers how to teach. Hopefully that's the goal anyways. Mm -hmm. And so did you have a teacher teach you how to teach teachers? I did. At some point? (laughs) I had several teachers teach me how to teach teachers. Hmm. Uh, I still have teachers teaching me how to teach teachers. Uh, Will you eventually uh, teach teachers how to teach teachers? Hopefully, if I go into grad school, I'm applying for a PhD right now. So then I would teach teachers, uh, teaching teachers how to teach teachers. So that would be, yeah. Cool. That's what happens when you keep going to school, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, you've got to teach the teached and the taught the (laughs) teachered. Right. It's an old maxim. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) What what's what is what is the old maxim? Where it's if if you can't do teach, yeah, I hate if you that can't maxim. teach, teach teachers, teach phys ed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard. 
Uh, yeah, that's one of my least favorite maxims, but <laughs> we can talk about that if you want. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, fine. Um, so we have you on here for kind of a specific reason. Uh, we are we are discussing um, the end of the world as we know it. Coined here first. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, we you have been looking at at this topic for a long time. Uh, not necessarily the end of the world, but uh, the future that seems to be rearing its ugly head or is being hinted at or worried about by many people, um, whether it be environmentalists or the average Joe on the street who's worried about uh, the hippies <laughs> um, making like the trees taking over the earth and no more room for factories. Um, so do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, I teach teachers, of course, but I also do some other work uh, in writing. One of the topics I've been looking at for a long time, well, a few years anyways, um, but thinking about for a while, is how do we teach, uh, given the kind of complex things that we're facing today, like you said, in terms of the environment, in terms of job precarity, in terms of the economy. Um, and so education has often been positioned as this kind of holy space, this enlightenment, kind of you go to school and then you, there's hope for the future, mm-hmm. you get a job. But considering those impasses, those kind of uh, contemporary, like the stuckness that, that I'm feeling at least, uh, I've been trying to question what it might mean to teach at the end of the world or the end of our world. So the world that, as we know it kind of ending and to maybe think differently about the world. So that's the main idea. So uh, as as a kid, I, I felt like I was definitely, I was a dreamer. I was filled with hope. Uh, I don't know if it was from my teachers or if it was just being surrounded by like all like parents, lo- media influence on like what it was going to be like in the future and all the glories and basically like things are shitty now, but in the future things are going to be awesome thanks to people like me. And so I must have failed because <laughs> I think things are still shitty um, despite the fact that we have iPhones. Yeah. And and so now are, are kids still growing up with that sense? Or or do you think like our kids like being told like my a, kids, a future for Cedar them? and Cypress, they go to school. Their teachers are saying like, when you guys grow up, Go to college and get a good job. And things mm-hmm. are going to be awesome. Yeah. I think that's exactly The kind world of, won't be ending. Yeah. That's exactly kind of the problem I'm trying to identify is that instead of focusing on now or how students or, or young people kind of are interacting with the world now, there's this constant uh, deference to the future. So, you know, don't worry mm-hmm. about now. In the future, it'll be okay. And it links to a lot of things. Like I've looked at it in terms of neoliberal capitalism. So, you know, they, we've, we've been trained from day one that you are special. And that if you just do these things, you will succeed without acknowledging maybe some of the the bigger kind of social, racial kind of uh, obstacles that might get in the way. But also... Well, racism's over. Yeah, it's totally uh, over. We solved that yeah. in the 60s. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah so these kinds of things Thanks have, to our parents. Yeah. yeah they did all the work. Job. They're exactly. still doing the good job. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there's this, this at least for me and some of the my colleagues, there's this recognition that those myths, those narratives no longer suffice like they don't work anymore right and so how do you start to deal with like the real material conditions of today and what's happening uh instead of just projecting some 
you know, utopic future, it sounded like in kind of your case, mm-hmm. or the, uh, the opposite, you know, like the world is ending, the future is canceled, you know, there's nothing that we can do about it. So, well, uh, I think like when I was a kid, it, w- it was kind of presented in a way like if the U.S. and Russia do not blow up the world, we're all going to be awesome. And if they don't do it, like, you know, the sky's the limit. We're going to mm-hmm. be an- amazing. But that was a dystopic option. Nuclear Armageddon. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really many other things represented on that. Like, like the idea of climate change wasn't a it hot wasn't topic. Yeah. It was talked about as a theory yeah. of of how much humanity could eventually affect uh, our our world and yeah. the globe. Or a focus on like recycling was more probably yeah. Yeah, what was, we did in junior or in elementary. Yeah. It's like make sure you recycle to save the earth. But it was more just to save the earth kind of like big. Yeah, yeah, Captain Planet. Yeah. yeah, Captain Planet kind of a thing, and that that even that was still the '90s. Mm-hmm. That was early '90s. It was more about saving ecosystems yeah. than than yeah, the animals actual climate. And, yeah, and the worry of overpopulation, things like that, not being able to feed us all. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so nowadays, do you think kids are actually presented with more of a bleak outlook? I don't. Do you don't think know. that's a new narrative, or do you think there's yeah, are they still being taught this? I think that they're generally uh, still not talking about some of these things. Like, for instance, you know, the water crises in certain parts of the United States or refugee crises that are happening around the world right now. These are maybe talked about in certain classes if it's, you know, covered in the curriculum, but not as a a pressing matter, which it maybe should be. Yeah, it keeps giving like, okay, I'm going to teach you as much as I know how to teach. Hopefully your generation can fix it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As opposed to being like, we actually are beyond the point of, being able to react and and yeah and and yet we're still delaying exactly and i think it also ties into this like education is about the individual or that's how it's been built it's about individual development you do the best you can your marks are yours all these kind of measures of success which are somewhat arbitrary Mm -hmm. instead of thinking how like learning about stuff might actually help you to problem solve or think about the world differently Mm -hmm. or you know it seems obvious saying it out loud but those things don't always happen in schools unfortunately yeah. it's about training students to comply training people to be obedient training them to kind of fit within the social castes and norms that are already established which is kind of how we've gotten into these crises in the first place so mm-hmm. that's my question if we're training so they, so they leave they leave let's say high school even going to university programs things like that where i event like university is probably where your mind gets opened up more and you're like whoa this is the real world this is what's happening around me yeah and by that point it becomes a little bit more difficult to i think get a a mentality change or a cultural change because the culture is kind of you've been brought up for 18 years of your life with the idea of focused on making sure you got the best math math score and Mm -hmm. you ran the farthest in gym class yeah and that you've kind of met whatever benchmarks you know depending on what school and what the main focus was but yeah it's totally about You can talk about it as like this cultural thing or even this the way that subjectivity or like how the subject is kind of formed, how people form into people. It's very ingrained from day one, uh, not just through the content they learn, you know, in grade 10, they learn about globalization, but it's spun in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not just about that. It's not just about indoctrinating in terms of ideas, but the very way that schools work, you know, a lot of kids dread school but you learn to you just do it because you got to do it and then that's how you get your after school time or it's always this again deferred or transcendent just do it so that you can do the next thing as opposed to you know going to school to learn and to like discover things or to be curious or to ask questions or to like meet people and discuss things those have 
somehow disappeared. Not always, of course, that's my uh, pessimistic <laughs> generalization, but I think this mentality has become no more normal as opposed to what schools might do in the future. <clears throat> so speaking on like some of the, the big issues that we have right now, so environment's a really big one. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of, of resource reliance, uh, so renewable resources versus non-renewable, oil reliance, uh, economies, mm -hmm. war, uh, religious uh, conflicts and terrorism, all these things that kids get little pieces of. Um, do you think, and do you think that maybe at a younger age, they should be shown a bigger picture of what the reality is and what maybe to get them at least thinking about how, like some solutions, even at, mm -hmm. at the age of five, six years old being like, well, why, why don't we just do this? Mm -hmm. Why don't we just hug? I mean, that's a great answer mm -hmm. that my son Cypress has said to me before, like they should just hug. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah. You know what? Brilliant. Yeah. Damn genius. Cyrus is really smart. He's a mm -hmm. smart kid. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a, a mixture of exposure. Before you get bogged down, you know, yeah. by these other stupid things, hugging is like the best answer, <laughs> right? Yeah. It really is. Down yeah. to its the root of what it means. I think, well... I, well, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> down to like... like It's like if everyone just hugged... Like... All, it, all the time. All, all the time. Just, just always like, hugging. Be like, hey, you know what? I, I'm pissed off at you. Can you give me a hug? Mm -hmm. And then give it like a give a hug. Like a real hug. Though. Yeah. How yeah. can you like you can't shoot someone in the head after you've given them a good hug? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. That makes me think of lots of things. One, <laughs> yeah. like the, this, the, I think that in some ways students learn to hug and I'm using it in quotation marks for all the people out there. Um in a metaphorical way, like love your neighbor, love these things. But again, I don't know. I, th I mean, those are all wonderful things. But, in but when you put it in a basic sense, like neighbor, you're not actually saying like, these are your neighbors. Exactly. Like, yeah. how do you how do you get students to implicate themselves mm -hmm. in the problems? Because the problems are always identified as being out there. Other people's. Other yeah. people's problems, right? You know, privilege is when you think something's not a problem because it's not your problem. That's what right. students learn in school, I think. It's like, these things are happening. But I don't have to worry about it right now. And, you know, I have these other things to worry about. And so not to, like, stress kids with all these big, huge problems, of course. You but to know. a degree, they should be stressed about some well, of these problems. Well, that's how the thing. <laughs> how do you start to raise kind of this uh, sense of urgency? Or, and I think generally there's the idea that it doesn't need to be raised because things are fine. But things are only fine for certain people, right? Yeah. You're just going to give my kid an anxiety problem. <laughs> totally. He's already got anxiety. Yeah. And that builds into all the way that we've labeled students and the self-esteem movement of the 90s was in line with this. Yeah. You're special, yeah. you know. Uh, I think kids have anxiety these days because they haven't been told the truth and they don't know how to deal. Mm -hmm. Well, kids have anxiety for, I mean. Well, they can be born with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I get no, no, it. No, 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 no. But I mean, like the, the actual, just the other problems in the education system, like standardized testing, it mm -hmm. just doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Kids are getting anxious because they don't know how to learn in their environment because it's not built for them. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense often, not like at to all. to learn one specific answer to a question when there could be multiple, or it depends on the context. Exactly, or, and those are the kinds of thinking skills that we need. Like evolution, Th those are in the, order like, to solve these problems. Not just there's not one right answer. You're not taking bricks to build a house. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're solving a bigger problem mm -hmm. than that. I get it. Mm -hmm. so Could I like, be a skyscraper. Yeah. Bricks for a skyscraper. <laughs> yeah. Take these or bricks and make an aeroplane. Exactly. Good luck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, so, that's I bet your new problem. problem. Yeah. <laughs> a brick aeroplane? Yeah. 
But I like the hugging analogy because that's like one of the key things is how do you get students to kind of think of themselves not as an individual, but part of a collective. Like one of the recent studies I looked at for a paper I was working on was about how they asked youth kind of about their thoughts about the future. Like, what do you think about the future? And like, how is it going to, what's your outlook on the future in terms of schooling, in terms of getting a job, these kinds of things. The main results was that the youth said they're more... Um, more kind of confident in their personal futures or kind of success in their personal lives than they are confident in the kind of social organizations or their ability to impact social organizations. Mm -hmm. So generally, you know, these youth were like, if I do these things right, I'll be able to have a successful future. But I also don't think that, you know, as a human race or as a kind of political social organization, we're able to have a good future, which is a strange yeah, paradox. They, 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 sh- they should go hand in hand. Should, exactly. You, yeah, should yeah, be, yeah. you should be assessing your own success based on how everyone around you is succeeding. Exactly. So yeah. I like that. Success. Yeah. Like and so it's like a beautiful study because it just pointed to this like focus on the individual, which again is no one, it's trained into us from day one, from kindergarten when you're asked like, who are you? What do you want to be when you grow up? Who are you in terms of this very specific yeah, identifiable but, yeah. thing like how do you know that right jesse though like we live in a world that is so small now due to global communications and social media um so how can you say that we're still worried about ourselves as individuals when it's <laughs> we're in, in a global village yeah social we media live in a global vi- village now totally you know it yeah. takes a village to raise a child mm-hmm. <laughs> a village of youtubers um yeah, yeah exactly. Know, I mean, <laughs> well, this is the thing. It could be used in this way to promote kind of more democratic collective practices. But yeah, social media is part of these kind of things you're talking about environment, politics, but also the way that we've learned to communicate through technology, which I always try and tell my students is neither good or bad. It's not a question of morals like technology is bad or it's good. It's more I always get them to ask, what does technology do? What does it produce? And that way it's more, uh, I think, open in how we think about it. But, you know, on the one hand, technology connects us. But on the other hand, it is a technique or technology for creating uh, personal brands and very uh, concrete identities, you know, that can be uh, then consumed by whether it's friends or other people sold in certain (laughs) ways, right? Through my Instagram account, I can, you know, uh, present a very specific image of myself, which then I can, you know, put forward to be consumed by others. It's like a two-way well, mirror. This podcast, for mm-hmm. example, we have uh, on last check uh, for our subscribers, we have forty-two thousand subscribers to this podcast. Wow, which is really 42, good. Forty-two thousand, yeah. Uh, give or take, it's probably gone up since I last looked yeah. this afternoon. Um, so, I mean, that is a quantifiable number Mm -hmm. that uh, we can give to other organizations and companies sponsors Mm -hmm. uh, to give us a direct monetary you know uh, a reward Mm -hmm. basically for that exactly Um, and it's I mean obviously we've had to put a lot of hard work in in, and to get that Mm 42,000 but over such a short time over such a short time I mean Mm, I mean, it's subjective. Mm-hmm. To the listener at home, it seems like it's only been a month. If you've been following us on Instagram, it's been like a year, <laughs> two years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I get it. Instagram, all that stuff, um, measuring our success yeah. based on that. I mean, actually, maybe podcast is a bad example. Because <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe our tool right now, by having you on, we're actually doing a better job. Yeah, we're because doing- we've got 42,000 people 
who are listening to you know the new way of things the the new paradigm we're having a teacher of teachers teach listeners yeah and hopefully they go and teach teach other listeners teach, teach listeners or become teachers or just yeah. tell them to uh, subscribe to Borchelli Brothers are teachers. Exactly. podcast yeah yeah Oh, I think I don't know if you're going this way, but uh, <laughs> that's part of the thing is that it's these things that we've kind of been trained into and to learn to kind of identify as an individual, which brings on maybe these catastrophes in certain ways um, are in our best interest. Right. It's in our best mm-hmm. interest to identify and to like meet the benchmarks and to like comply with the standards and do these things. This is how you get a job. This is how you get, you know, ahead in quotations again. This is how you become successful in a certain way, like in within a certain structure. And so that's why it's so hard to think outside of that because students have a lot at stake, right? Or people have a lot at stake. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, their personal desires and what they want are conflated with uh, what's in their best interest, which is mm-hmm. not always the same thing. And that's the tricky part to pull apart. Let's take a moment for um, a message from our sponsors. Sean! What are you drinking? Oh, uh, hey Mike. I didn't see you there. That, that was a steam whistle pilsner. Canada's premium pilsner. It's brewed with only four all-natural ingredients. Spring water, malted barley, hops, and yeast. All GMO-free. It's delicious. Oh, yeah? Mind if I have one? Actually, that was my last one. Dang, that sucks. It does suck. Really does. Steam whistle beer. Okay, so Jesse, now I want to get back to something that I'm really interested in is the idea of how to teach children given the realities of the world, the direction we're headed in, whether it be environmental catastrophe, even just personal sociological catastrophe economic catastrophe whatever Mm -hmm. let let's let's do a scenario here okay so droughts are happening in california no water uh we're actually we had a drought this year Mm -hmm. in alberta you couldn't go outside in southern alberta in some places for a couple days because of the the fires and stuff yeah this is like real and for me this seems like you know yeah it's happening it's right in our faces yeah Yeah. like we we mowed our lawn twice this year Mm -hmm. that's how it affected me (laughs) Um, which was great because Mm -hmm. that's all it needed because there was no water our trees turned yellow this year about a month earlier than normal because they were just like okay i'm done with this season Mm -hmm. let's go back to winter a bird pooped on my window and i expected the rain to wash it off and that took forever yeah Yeah. dried didn't happen at all not to mention all of the social and political strife and we don't have to talk about the election but that <laughs> seems end of world times in some ways the it does feel it does like we're heading into we let's talk about it i mean we're yeah. heading into an election in canada here uh on october 19th is that mm-hmm. right and yeah. we have three parties that are neck and neck two of them w- which would be considered uh left of center uh more progressive parties mm-hmm. and the thing is they're 
they're labeled as progressive parties they're and center. i assume yeah they're not even left if we were talking about real but at the political. same time they're still labeled progressive yeah. by even nonpartisan people mm-hmm. so it's like isn't progress a good word we're making progress here mm-hmm. it yeah. means we're not stagnant right anyways as opposed to conserving <laughs> maybe if well, we we're looking at the etymology it was better when it was words, progressive yeah. conservatives yeah it's like we could be conservative about economics financial stuff and making sure that we're not going so crazy Mm -hmm. but for the most part we still want our country to progress but we're actually at a point where they're like you know what let's lose the progressive because we're not we're just conservative period Mm -hmm. and everyone's like yeah cool i'll still vote you because i understand the c word never actually thought about the p word Mm -hmm. so we're dealing with that we have a a government that i think a lot of people are angry with Mm -hmm. in in fact uh 65 percent of the country is mad at unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah. 35 sure it's 65 percent it's 35 <laughs> percent <clears throat> don't yeah. I, I i check my stats earlier okay, today perfect. Good. uh 35 percent of the population or 36 percent um is still on board with this government we have mm-hmm. uh despite i would say almost in 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 my known political history paying attention to politics at all have never seen a government that has had so many controversies so many like like debacles mm-hmm. and things that they have and completely just mm-hmm. like oh yeah but well, that's no big deal totally it's beyond yeah. they, they do nbd yeah. it's just like and and like stuff <laughs> that's so outrageous yeah like some of it's like wait what yeah, what do you what like, do you mean only three different newspapers are allowed to attend your press conferences and yeah. you won't answer questions and, and you don't yeah and, and muzzle your scientists and yeah and you muzzle <laughs> yeah you, and you have and cut their and, and you cut the only national nonpartisan uh media group um you cut their budget by mm-hmm. by half yeah and it's so it's like past ideology at this point. It's not just about conservative ideology, it's like an abuse of power at this yeah. point. And exactly. there's lots of evidence of like all of the different kind of abuses and now like we we've learned turn terms for government like pro rogue yeah that i had never heard before until yeah. and because we had never used this thing until it's been used like it's used once a year almost mm-hmm. since since they've been in and one time it was twice because they were risking being ousted by when they were minority government again They're like well let's prorogue it mm-hmm. it's like what does that even mean mm-hmm. it means you guys don't even have a government mm-hmm. we're gonna take a vacay yeah mm-hmm yeah so that combined <laughs> with <clears throat> environmental issues scary. Yeah. combined with uh these consistent or like the the threat of consistent kind of economic precarity mm-hmm. um social wel- welfare services totally being dismantled you know around the world mm-hmm. all of these things point uh, to the encroaching terror of women with covered faces yes this is oh i mean this God. is a, this is the thing that's really gotten to me in the last little while with the election is just the straight up Un, uh, it's just like straight up racism, like it's not complete even racism. complete unabashed, not it's, even it's hidden. Crazy. And and people, I mean, of course, people in certain circles are are talking about it, but then it's like preaching to the choir. How I've been trying to have conversations. Oh with yeah, other you can't do this on Facebook because your Facebook friends are like, yeah, yeah. It's like you're talking the same talk, but yeah. How the, do you start? The best to talk? post was that I saw was on uh, being like, hey, Thanksgiving's coming up. It's now time for you to go have dinner with your family explain to them why the conservatives are wrong yeah exactly i've been kind of flexing my muscles <laughs> yeah, yeah. for the weekend like ready yeah. to and so 
all of these things kind of, I think the question you know that we were talking about is how do you deal with all of this you know instead of just saying it's fine it'll be fine because I think that's again like what just no and it's been that attitude for the last 10 years mm-hmm. for government in Canada yeah which I think is oh, what it, it'll got be fine. us to this that's point. why we're at this point yeah, exactly, exactly because yeah. there's especially in, in I think some of the western provinces there's a resistance to kind of speaking out because we are quite privileged and it's very easy to become ap- apathetic um, you know, even when the riots were, were happening in Quebec a few years ago when the tuition was going up mm-hmm, and, yeah. and the Westerners were like, I can't believe it's only this much tuition. Why are they complaining? That was my good impression of a... <laughs> <laughs> and really, th- they're kind of rising up because they don't... They need to say something now so that it just doesn't eventually slide. Like, they actually have... Which like, we did. Faith. We we didn't do. We exactly. didn't speak up, which is why mm-hmm. our tuitions are as high as they are. Exactly, because yeah. it can just keep pushing just and pushing Just because that status quo doesn't mean that it should be that. Exactly. And I think that's the big thing in They schools. pay less than us. Like, well, yeah, it's because we pay way too much. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not about us. It's, you know, or it's not about them. Yeah. It's about us. So... Mm-hmm. I think in schools, this is these are kind of the examples, and this is where this gets trained into to students, right? And again, it's in their best interest often to comply within these ways of thinking, to kind of uphold the status quo, uh, to kind of keep things as they are instead of thinking of alternatives, because any alternatives presented are usually presented in a pejorative way or like, but this won't ever work because mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. But I think that's because we limit our purview of how the future might go based on what's happened in the past, present. And so that, if you base everything on what's happened in the past, present, which is how, how economics works often, mm-hmm. uh, and there's lots of critique of that, then it's very difficult to kind of get outside of that. How do you start to imagine differently? Well, if at the end of the day, the key word is, uh, oh, budget is balanced. Mm-hmm. And that's all anyone hears. What did what did you do to balance that budget? Like, so, so when they... All of a sudden, conservatives many, miraculously came out with the surplus. Programs did they cut? It was like, yeah. what did they have to do to get that? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want a country that's for profit. Mm-hmm. I want a country that like everything gets put back into it. Should All be a non for profit. Yeah, exactly. And so, if they have a one point nine billion dollar surplus, I want to know why they weren't able to spend that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, if you have a one point nine. Why am I worried about... Look at all the problems in the country and say, well, why didn't you use it to fix that? Why didn't Mm -hmm. you fix this and this? Yeah, exactly. Especially because the things they're cutting are usually a drop in the bucket for them, but like a huge thing for the people invested in these things, like in the arts and culture and certain kind of marginalized populations. Uh, Veterans, I believe, was a big cut. Yeah. And so this is the thing. It's like... Not to mention our our multicultural minister Mm -hmm. is also the minister of national defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice pairing there. (laughs) Yeah, that really... (laughs) It's like because in order to defend our country, we need to defend ourselves from people who have other cultures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, all of these things have have, I just I keep thinking, how can you create some sort of resistance? Because I'm not involved in politics in in a I mean, I'm involved in that. I follow it. I read it. I try and, you know, give where I can and, uh, of course, vote and these kinds of things. But for me, teaching is one of the most political acts because it's about trying to not just expose people to new ideas, but actually trying to give them the space to think, which Mm -hmm. is not, again, it sounds common sense, but I don't know if schools always do that, like a space to think, to take risks, to think outside of what's come before, um, and not just like thinking outside the box, because that is also kind of uh, subsumed by certain systems, you know, with the... Well, yeah, especially if you're looking at like the idea, the simple idea of a place to think, Mm -hmm. because I feel... We are in a culture of people reading headlines, people reacting, and not actually exploring the topic. And like, the, it's never going to be presented in a way where someone is is given time to be like, 
hmm, well, let me think about this. It's never a question. It's like, do you like it if they do this or this? It's like, they've done this and it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Or they've done this. It's right. (laughs) Exactly. Like that's what, and so it's just like, oh, and it's unless you actually think about it and have, if, if you take it upon yourself to do, which not, not everyone does. Mm -hmm. They don't like a lot of people. It's mass consumption. It's like junk food, like one point, nine million or billion dollar surplus made the conservatives numbers go from having uh 27 percent uh popularity where the ndp was in the lead to now the ndp dropping and then now the liberals and conservatives are are fighting for first and second right mm-hmm. now back and forth like they they it was a dramatic rise just because of that one little number mm-hmm. despite every other bit of of problem yeah it's like, oh, $1.9 billion. Well, I guess I wasn't worried. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I think it's literally to the point where people were like, oh, maybe I'll vote this time because, you know, like it, they haven't balanced the budget. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, oh, I don't have to vote. Yeah. They'll get in. Yeah. It's good. We're good. I'm cool. Mom and dad like, were right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad were. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a, like, there's so much going on. Yeah. Especially nowadays. And we're at a critical point critical moment where if anything we're past the critical moment Mm -hmm. and now we're at the like if we don't really react we're we're finished yeah i and this is the yeah the worry i guess and Mm -hmm. because it's not that people we can talk about this i know we're thinking Mm -hmm. maybe talking about some films but it's not that people are like inherently stupid or these kinds of things but like i said it's been in their best interest to kind of learn how to consume information quickly and mm-hmm. kind of get through it get to the main point move mm-hmm. on right the the bullets exactly powerpoint is a beautiful mm-hmm. example of this kids learn powerpoint really early now mm-hmm. and it's not just about them communicating information it's about like a fetishization of the bullet point it's about talking at people as opposed to talking with people it's mm-hmm. about yeah. being able to break things into linear black and white kind of mm-hmm even if they're very complex um, kind of ideas that are easily consumable or like TED Talks are another example of this. It's like, mm-hmm. talk about this very complex thing, but in 15 minutes and make it sexy, you know, so that I can consume it, think about it for a minute and then, you know, like poop it out and move on to my next thing. And so it's been, we've been trained kind of within this system and... Uh, but not for very long. No, exactly. Like that's the thing. Like this this paradigm is very new. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is the last not even 10 years Mm -hmm. we we have this culture yeah it's amazing how it bloomed Mm -hmm. so fast exactly and which is we can talk about also the potential because i don't want to sound like you know everything what i'm trying to do or what i'm trying to think about is how we can kind of like re-engineer or reorient some of these things including technology towards positive ends because there is a power like we've seen how powerful they are right so how do you start thinking about technology for instance or social media in a different way and it's happened in you know in terms of insurrections or um like the arab spring thing oh i saw the movie insurrection yeah (laughs) (laughs) kind of it wasn't as good as uh game um sorry what was that Uh, generations mocking jay oh mocking jay yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. catching fire yeah um Yeah, so that's the, without, of course, like it sounds pretty bleak, and I do think that it is bleak. I know, I talk about the end of the world pretty much. I try and talk to my students about it, even university students, and they're like, what? Like they, yeah. But they're too late. Those I don't university know. I students don't know. are too late. Once I start I talking about it, I think my six-year-old needs to be yeah. worried about the end of the world. But the, I one, think the one thing when I was a kid is we went on a field trip to the IMAX, and we saw a blue planet. And I was so terrified about, I, I didn't think I was going to 
I, I didn't think I was going to live past graduating year. Mm-hmm. That movie was so terrifying awesome. about environmental effects. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, it, it was the, the most horrific movie I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. Nightmares about the sun burning me up, the ozone layer being gone. Like it was super mm-hmm. scary. Did it, did it change the way that you acted? Well, life? I wore sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> I wore sunscreen yeah. every day. It was, it, yeah. mom didn't have day, to tell me wear, yeah. to wear sunscreen. Exactly. And I'm still militant about that. Yeah. Cause that's what I'm wondering. Like if there is, and I got mad at mom when we had aerosol cans in the house. Yeah. 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 Cause that was still the time of aerosol cans. It's like, so it's like yeah. these, this, this can't, this is the worst. You're doing, or what is it? You're kind of blocking the sun by the aerosol, which is then bleeding yeah, the ozone. It, it, yeah. It, yeah, it would take the ozone away. The <laughs> uh, the uh, um, chlorofluoro, chlorofluoral carbons mm-hmm. would actually attach to the uh, third oxygen molecule and, and it changes to oxygen mm-hmm. or breaks it down right. and, and takes away that yeah. layer. O3 yeah. becomes O2. But that's and O1. And O1. And uh, technically... Uh, C O two C three P O yeah carbon fiber <laughs> chains and yeah all that stuff <laughs> yeah so okay <clears throat> I, I feel like we've digressed because where I wanted to go with it was going back to the the pedagogy mm-hmm. and the idea okay here here's the case we in Canada we'll talk about Canada because we know Canada here we've we've elected. A new government in Alberta, new, the new Harper government. Oh, this is in no, the no. We're talking about the future. Okay. Okay. So they have uh, continued to not react over uh, environmental problems. They d- they continue to avoid signing uh, protocols. Uh, they continue to sell away resources and not in imposing any restrictions on our resource management, mm-hmm. um, in- including the fact that they start selling our fresh water. Mm-hmm to other countries including to other corporations such as nestle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. someday this might happen uh, it's actually happening, it's happening. <laughs> i know this okay. is the thing yeah. when fun you start fact. to say it out loud it's like it's okay let, let, let me say the case study here okay this is this is what i'm setting up the this is the world that we're in where we're all of a sudden like water is our one of our precious commodities are exports um how and this is in a world where water is at such a shortage so water is now brought up to like like whoa mm-hmm. it's like on oil levels yeah how do you teach your kids about that mm-hmm. and how do you teach them about eventually where that's going to go yeah like do you do you be like okay so you know oil went this way now we got water mm-hmm. like are we still sol- do you teach them that we still need to solve the problem the fact that we don't have enough water or do you teach them how to sell the water for more money? Um, so this is a good question, a tough one. Um, I think the hard part with dealing these things is that often they're dealt with as kind of like odd ha- ad hoc stopgap measures. So yeah, like either fixing the problem or you know making it better for you personally, so selling it for more money, and then that makes you have, I don't know, a better house or something. Instead of, like the way that I'm thinking about it is education in general needs to be completely like gutted and redesigned which i know is not possible tomorrow but the way that education is structured and how it's broken into subjects and how the timetables work and how students um are positioned you know how their bodies are positioned in classes these all of these things relate back to these i guess um ways that students learn to become subjects and learn to become individuals and so i think it's only if you were to actually like 
uproot all those things, reimagine education completely that you might get, um, you might get students thinking about, you know, the world, not just in terms of what the world is for us. I think the earth and the world are often conflated, you know, like the, the world being the human constructed world, our social kind of things, our worldviews, the earth being like a habitable plant planet in the universe. Those two things are often conflated as if the earth exists only for us as humans. Maybe this, mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. This is what's being termed or like linking to this idea of the Anthropocene. Mm -hmm. So the Anthropocene is this new geological age. Not everyone's identifying, but many scientists are identifying as the, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, where humans are the main geological, like main force altering the geologic, nature, yeah, yeah, yeah. Main, main force altering climate geology. And so that's ingrained in us, you know, that I'm on this earth, it's for me. It's, you know, like everything I do is for me. And like, you know, when I go through my day, it's all for me, as opposed to thinking it's very difficult. It's difficult for me. I'm still wrapping my head around it. But thinking about my place in this on this planet as as something that's much more ecological, like I'm not maybe an individual as I know myself, but more an individual only in how I learn to relate to the other things in this world, whether it's people or ideas or, you know, the earth. And so to I think that's the way that's my idealistic kind of way of thinking about changing things for the future. But it would take a complete dismantling of education as we know it it would be i think schools would have to be designed completely different and this is why i'm interested in like uh speculating you know what would school look like if for instance the workforce was automated right you know because right now schools are mm -hmm. often there to produce a workforce this is the rhetoric but what if the we're, workforce we're was a, a very real future where the workforce is automated yeah you, so why do you go don't to school need jobs exactly put i'm like totally for post-labor like yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I yeah, know yeah this could be an amazing thing well because then we like um, how how many better brains could we produce? But is there anybody? Yeah, but what are all those people in China going to do? So robots, well, <laughs> robots are going to like make all our clothes for us. Well, and this is a this is a residue of the anthropocentric worldview is that it allows us to think about things, including people, in terms of their exploitable, uh, idle exploitable hands, right. measure, right? Devil's play thing. That's As all I'm saying. To, well, <laughs> and that's the and that's my <laughs> argument against that is like, what if you didn't have to work for eight hours a day? What things yeah. would you do? Maybe what you can't you even. Why? Maybe you can't haven't imagined it yet because it's always just been part of what we do. Right? I okay. So I I have some strong feelings about this. Yeah. What you just said, especially. I for the life of me, I have. As a kid, I always understood that the idea of going into the future was to eventually not actually have to work yeah. 40 hours like plus when you're retired? a week. Well, it's like the Jetsons three-day work weeks. Well, no, such murder. Yeah, three-day mm -hmm. three work weeks. But also when like all of a sudden it's like, you know what? We've decided because humans live longer that we're going to push the age to 70 years old as the official age of retirement. My mind is like, what? Yeah. What's no. the point of working? No, that don't long? do that. No, you should push it back to forty. Yeah, yeah, it should be like our like the idea of progressing should be that we work less and have mm -hmm. more time to live. Exactly. Yeah. What's As the point of life? Like it's it, we've learned that the point of life is to work, to work yeah. right? And then the better job you have, the more happy you might be. But it's still based on well, whatever that means, right? Well, it's yeah. those job. stigmas though that any of these like and what doesn't push this is that like any of these ideas of like uh kids don't learn that way maybe they shouldn't go to work or people shouldn't go to work before 10 o'clock it's this lazy stigma yeah. like oh you're being a lazy person by mm -hmm. not doing the nine to five shift and yeah. grinding and working out it's that really old 
white Protestant work ethic where it's like your worth is only shown by how much you're able to produce as opposed to like things that are very hard to, uh, you know, qualify like art or thinking or how, you know, I'm, I consider myself fairly productive. We're not paying you for your time here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or just like how much time I spend. uh, I know I shouldn't smoke, but like sitting on my balcony, smoking a cigarette and like the thoughts that I have, like I'll never, you know, like be able to use those to, well i don't know (laughs) try and monetize them or this but that doesn't matter you know like how Mm -hmm. imagine if we were like i'm totally for universal basic income but again those arguments how do you make money if you can't work universal basic income (laughs) wait (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly but those arguments are met with that you're a a commie some kind of commie i am a communist (laughs) no luxury communist (laughs) there's people developing this idea you know taking these uh, these theories and trying to push them in ways that might work given the kind of you know our context now uh times have changed a lot given how much money is actually out there exactly money money even and uh, the economy being like actually kind of a relatively new construct exactly yeah. like yeah. it's only a couple hundred years but we're old we're so gl- attached to it like as if it's been there forever it's like but that's just it. that's the way the world works it's like yeah. one that's like one idea that's in stuck air, and we don't want to make any nobody wants yeah. to have any more and the, the, when we say nobody wants to change it, it's because the people that often have the power within these systems are benefiting from yeah, them, right? Absolutely. While the rest yeah. of the people are like, no, things could be better and I'm willing to give up these things to have these things. But there's still this maybe, well, I we can talk all about today. that. <laughs> yeah. 36 million, lotto 649. So, <laughs> so like instead of, you know, getting rid of the 1% or whatever, sending them all to an island, I don't want to get too uh, the You know what, negative they, they would all fit on a very small <laughs> island. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just need a small <laughs> island. Yeah. Talk to Rod Stewart or someone who has a, owns an island somewhere. It can be really decked out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. But I think that the difference would be in terms of or why education is so important is because what if those constructs themselves were start to you know like that we could poke holes in them we could see this doesn't work first of all second of all there's these alternatives we might not have them yet but how are we going to develop them if we don't start to experiment with ideas and like try things out and actually like implicate ourselves and take risks you know in a real way not risks so that we can produce some end product like a risk where you actually don't know what's going to happen you know yeah. um so yeah, that's when it, when it comes to i think human humanity's uh idea like technologically speaking we're leaps and bounds and and it it, it increases exponentially every day but when it comes to our baser thoughts of how to treat each other we are so stagnant yeah like it's at a snail's crawl totally and and it's almost like we're counting on technology to fix it for us Mm -hmm. but it's never going to because it's not about technology that the technology was never the problem exactly it's not technology it's the lack or the lack of technology was never the problem being mm-hmm. like i would have been nicer to you if you had the same headphones as i did well it's going to be a locked in problem if you don't design the technology with these things in mind in the first place mm-hmm. yes yeah even more yeah basically there's nothing you can't change it yeah. it becomes an unchangeable thing mm-hmm. yeah i think it's, it's surprising to me too just how I guess, again, with this election and seeing people's response to the the debates and, the, again, the racist tactics used, being used in some of the campaigning and just how people are, um, some people are still, I don't think they're bad people, I don't think they're malicious, but they haven't had to actually implicate themselves in those things, right? In the, yeah. what it would feel like or what it would be like. Or even if they have, they can't make that connection for some reason. They can, you know, if they have struggled through something or had to deal with something, 
for some reason they're un unable to empathize which is different than sympathizing you know sympathy is you know oh that's too bad do you want a sandwich like do you want can i whereas yeah. empathy is like you have to be vulnerable you have to open yourself up to feel what it might feel like and we've been taught again that maybe vulnerability is not the best thing right you're supposed to be strong and fight through it and you know pull up your bootstraps all of these things which is I don't know, vulnerability is maybe one of the keys to these kinds of questions, which is hard. How do you teach vulnerability? I Take don't know. them when they're down. <laughs> yeah. Take them I when don't they're know. down. Yeah. So start one, making one more things, games for them designed to lose. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. one of the things I was going to add to the case study that this world that could mm -hmm. possibly oh, yeah. happen <laughs> was uh, what also if we live in a world where there is a hotline in order to report on your neighbor's barbaric yeah. cultural practices. Like Fahrenheit 451 styles. Yeah. yeah where uh, they which, come to your house. Which and, mm -hmm. phenomenally was actually brought up as something that conservatives want to do. Yeah. As this being like, you know what? This is going to bring you over. And a lot of this oh, comes from God. the uh, that Australian uh, yeah, uh, spin a, doctor that yeah, they yeah. hired uh, who literally did the exact same thing mm -hmm. in Australia where they identified the minorities and the minority problem that is actually not a problem. Mm -hmm. Like it's not new that women have worn niqabs or, or religious uh, clothing mm -hmm. um, in Canada. Like it. No. And it's neither here nor and there. And it's never, like, has it ever affected you? No. Have you ever been like at, at, a, at a place been like, I wish I could see your face more. Mm -hmm. I don't trust you. No. No, yeah, like exactly. it's not an it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue, complete well, non-issue. What was the statistic? It was how many women have actually, how many women who wear niqabs actually have been sworn in yeah. a, in a citizenship ceremony? That's two in the last like five years or something. Yeah, like that. and I think at least the case I read was they were willing to remove it, but they do it in a specific way, and so they mm. just wanted that space and time to do it. So it wasn't even a denial of like, no, I'm not going to yeah. do it. It was just the way in which everything unfolded, and so yeah, it's this non-issue that's then been kind of spun like politicized said, and, and politicized yeah. as kind of a scapegoat measure to well a, a, a kind of a shade mm -hmm. a, a, a let's take a look at this sleight of hand you know sleight mm -hmm. of hand. take a look at yeah, this distract. Well, yeah. all of this stuff is happening over here but it's sad how surprisingly well it's working oh, right it's this well is that's the part that this is the so terrifies me and scares exactly because yeah. at first i was like oh this is a ridiculous tactic like yeah everyone then, will see through this yeah and then seeing and then the hotline and now they're even talking about uh these women not allowed to wear them if they're also in public service and so it's just Ugh. all of these things that again relate back to this idea like how have we got how, how have we kind of come here you know especially if there has been so many advancements and we're so you know open now and we're so tolerant in certain you know this is the rhetoric or we're so exposed yeah. or aware of things based on the internet um how have we maintained these like yeah ridiculous kind of social norms right mm -hmm. yeah. ways of thinking mm -hmm. uh something interesting regarding the regarding the uh hiccab uh niqab niqab sorry Hiccab is something Hiccup. that you hold your breath for. Hiccup! <laughs> <laughs> In order to get uh, the rid of. The mayor of Toronto actually uh, posted a six-minute video of a news interview, and he was he was really supporting them because he actually goes to these ceremonies, and he was just like, these guys take it off in an official photograph before their citizenship. And yeah, they, they. it's always been something. It, it, that's that's the thing. It's, they've made an issue out of something that was never an issue. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 
Okay. So this so, is the case study. This all of these things have happened. Yeah. This is the future that we're living in. No, no, no. That could happen. That could right. Happen. That's not. Yep. There's no way. This is like. This is at so least there, like yeah. months down the road. Yeah. <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this is that dystopic. Yeah. You know, Orson Welles. Yeah. Can't go uh, outside. That... <laughs> wettest forests in North yeah. America are on yeah. fire, water depletion, job precarity, um, a government that is limiting our civil rights so that if you were to protest anything, you would be arrested. Um, hotlines to report your neighbor. How, how many movies oh, now, did we now, need about this subject that everybody, yeah. our now pop culture we're movies, everyone watches? Wellian, Wellian yeah. territory. But, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, how many times, how, how many people haven't seen 1984 mm-hmm. of a certain or generation read it, yeah. or had to read it? How, how can we all propel towards this future? Because mm-hmm. we are. How does it happen? Yeah. Double speak. That's it's how. crazy. <laughs> and so, yeah. So what do you, how do you, uh, teach students in the end of the world or about the end of the world or how do you teach students at the end of the world yeah like tell I said, them their parents are fucking idiots <laughs> and instill rule that one in kids like, yeah. don't listen to mom and dad yeah. mom and dad are just your parents. parents they provide food for you to eat and you know what abide by their rules when it comes to what time to go to bed and what time to come home from your date but for the most part that's what their role is listen to other people read other books mm-hmm. and and keep an open mind because right now the world is going to shit and it will yeah. keep getting shittier mm-hmm. unless you guys are willing to fucking step up yeah and listen to rock and roll yeah and no radicalize one, yeah. <laughs> there's interesting things though like one of the things that i've been trying to play with recently is like what it would mean to be non-productive so like a non-production as a mode of resistance so like just stopping. Oh, like, I thought that was our generation. Oh. Yeah, no, it no, was. Yeah, no. <laughs> Aren't we the? I tried that. <laughs> I tried the whole like. Now I work for the government. Yeah, exactly. my mom well, there you go. My mom sends me some money every couple of weeks, and I'm 33. No, I think it has to happen maybe at a mass scale, but <laughs> it did. Yeah. So Mike too, Nick. But Nick over there. okay, so yes, the maybe the maybe the yeah. 90s is an example of non-production. But we are still highly capitalist subjects, right? Like, what happens if you just stop we buying things? Yeah. Right. What happens if you don't play into any of the social systems anymore? Right? Like, what if I you... actually did stop buying things? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because but... of the social, because of the restrictions of yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I stopped buying new clothes. I stopped. You know, obsessing about a new stereo, yeah. new records. Don't buy it anymore. Steal it. <laughs> um, but uh, in order to balance out my life, I, I uh, got together with a career professional woman who had all the things that I needed. Okay. See? Yeah. Back um, to the hugging. Right? Well, partly. Um, <laughs> I also, she doesn't care if I don't have a new shirt on. Exactly. Because, uh, yeah. like, we're in a permanent relationship. It would be embarrassing for her to... <laughs> dump me because i don't dress nice anymore (laughs) you know so i save a lot of money Mm -hmm. um she saves some money yeah uh in child care Mm -hmm. because i take the kids to school and you know i mean that's that's what i do in order to make a better world Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think i have a question before we move to the book of questions yeah we're not going to the book of questions yet yeah (laughs) getting there uh I was wondering if you know of any think tanks or uh, groups of people who are actually working on what you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. is anybody actually planning this this new school? Yeah, there's a few things that I've been following over the last couple of years. So there's a political theory in the in the motion right now that's very controversial. 
called accelerationism um, and it's it has many facets and it's interpreted in lots of ways and it actually comes out of different lineages in terms of philosophy so there's some kind of Marxism in there there's also some stuff from Deleuze and Guattari who are two philosophers that I sorry study. can you say that again Deleuze, Gilles Deleuze and Felix Guattari they're the French Laurel and Hardy yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. Deleuze, I, I'm a big De- Deleuzean, or rather Deleuze. De De Hardy. Deleuzeer. I call myself <laughs> okay. a Deleuzeer. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, I went to Deleuze camp this summer. <laughs> you did? <laughs> For the third time. <laughs> oh, they have a camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there's these different uh, philosophical lineages, and basically what this this political theory is trying to propose is that neither the right or the left in terms of a political spectrum, have mm-hmm. the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that capitalism is something that maybe instead of trying to kind of defeat or overcome is something we have to almost push to its necessary end in some cases. Oh, yeah. Speed up, accelerate. So um, to the point that it retires? And to the point that, yeah, just like <laughs> yeah. things just explode. Mm-hmm. Or a, a different left, acceleration, left accelerationism would talk about how Capitalism is kind of bound by this, you know, um, fallacy that just because something was produced in a context in the past, it has to remain that way in the future. Right. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. lots of theories are like this. But so there's this argument that perhaps capitalism can be re-engineered or reoriented uh, to produce more productive kind of social systems, political systems. So putting putting a value on something other than material goods. Yeah. Or a value on social modifications so it's like whoa look at we can pay for exactly this This is what our money using capitalism to to, uh, you know combining it with things like socialism or more socialist Mm -hmm. approaches or this again luxury communist kind of things where Mm -hmm. capitalism is still in play you can still buy what you want to buy do what you want to do but there's also like universal basic income there's also like huge support networks for you know globally because we also can't they're very critical, the accelerationists of like this kind of localism that's also kind of come about in the last, you know, like buy mm-hmm. local, 100 mile diet. I'm going to buy artisanal toothpicks tomorrow at the whatever store. Because oh, did you see that video that this, this or oh, that yeah, what did? Was it? What was it? Ar- artisanal uh, wood logs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> wood burning logs. logs, basically, like, oh, no. like they come in like packs of three. They're tied in twine. This is a they, real thing, they right? Check, they check every log. For yeah. angle and they they like they'll they'll hone it down and like exactly sand it and and polish it and rub essential oils mm-hmm. into it no. to have like the, it's like a hundred and twenty dollar pack of three yeah. logs because this is the beautiful flexibility of capitalism yeah, there are you can you can wow. now sell logs. exactly no this wasn't real okay this well is, i can this imagine was, this was be... cbc's this or that and this but they did a video for it <laughs> which it's one of the first <laughs> videos i've seen of theirs mm-hmm. and it, it went global viral this yeah. is a this is a canadian uh, show on comedy show on t- CBC is basically like the onion, mm-hmm. but radio style. Um, and a lot of people are like, what? Yeah. And it's, cause it's always it's, like it's a little so, bit based in reality. Like yeah, people always ask, like, I wasn't is it surprised. Real? I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's so, it's just a little bit off. There's yeah. just a little bit off that you're like, this is <laughs> ludicrous. Exactly. And so this is, yeah. you know, capitalism is, you know, this difference engine, it kind of creates differences for the purpose of being able to sell those differences. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so it, and there's also a critique that, you know, people say, well, we don't want capitalism anymore. And it's like, yeah, but you also to probably don't want to return to feudalism. Like you like your Shiraz imported from France and you like your, you know, we're not ready to give these things up yet. We all complain about capitalism. So how do you deal with that paradox? Right. So they're talking about 
until we learn to experiment with like different uh, economies, different like structures in terms of uh, social welfare, these kinds of Mm -hmm. things, um, we won't be able, we have to kind of be willing to kind of experiment and reorient and kind of re-engineer the way that capitalism works so that it's more, it's it's doing what we want it to do, you know? And what we're talking about now, um, the the global scale of it uh, applies to the climate and, Mm -hmm. and, environmental side of things what we haven't necessarily addressed today and i don't know if we're going to get into it Mm -hmm. it's just another thing to think about for our listeners at home is like we're talking about just fixing the western idea of things yeah exactly Uh, like trying to apply this to like there like you could say that a lot of these things even us having the time to philosophize about this totally is a a first world Mm -hmm. issue right yeah so extending this mentality even just to like i mean fix other places or whether it's even our role to fix it mm-hmm. or whether we do it just through trying to teach them how to teach yeah uh their generations mm-hmm. yeah, it's a tough one yeah sounds, but at the same time i also hard. feel like you gotta fucking yeah, clean, it's too clean hard. your own Let's house take first we'll just wait till technology you offer to go it. clean someone else's house like yeah. clean yeah. your own house first exactly that's it i think yeah. that we have to start here and i mean like we're Make so sure globally you filled up connected your dust bag with your own filth yeah. before you offer to lend the vacuum to another neighbor you exactly. know as the old adage goes <laughs> um yeah. we're gonna take a uh, pee break here sounds good um we usually pee outside jesse oh great um so we'll give you your own corner perfect thank you um uh Mike and I will go into the opposite side of the yard. Sounds good. Uh, your other option is you could uh, go inside and use the toilet. Okay. Thank you for the options. Okay. We're going to Choice. Pause. Good pee break. Good mm-hmm. pee break. Wonderful. Jesse. Yes. We've had a great conversation so far. Yeah, thank you. Uh, something that I think we could uh, expand upon on, on an, another episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Probably like and three more episodes. We could do a few. For sure. Like I, we're just we're just icing on the top. The tip yeah, of the iceberg here. Yeah, we could have updates from the end of the world. Yeah. So yeah. speaking <laughs> of the end of the world, um, when this episode comes out, uh, the end of the world will have happened. Potentially, um, because potentially. October 19th is election day mm-hmm. um, and that's when we'll know whether or not Canada is ending as we know it yeah um, only future Sean and Mike doing the intro of this episode know the truth well, yeah we, we will what's our prediction prediction I don't oh. know I don't even want to think I'm at that stage where I'm like I'm just gonna go vote and not think about it yeah. and then look at the screen and be like who did it who won I'm gonna like be hopeful and say it's not Harper some sort of thing happens. It's not Harper. Well, did you see the new thing on CBC that came out today? Uh, about his, uh, they're doing all, like basically he, offshore laundering or yeah, something. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically he's protecting offshore laundering. Yeah, pretty wow. much. He's protecting yeah. uh, corporate and private uh, uh, people uh, who have finances and large amounts of money mm-hmm. outside of the country. Um, protecting them from certain taxation laws and stuff. And actually, this was something that the uh, Canada Revenue Agency, this it was an organization that they were investigating. Uh. I can't remember what accounting group or economic group it was. Um, and then in, instead of, he basically stopped the investigation and then hired that accounting firm <laughs> in order to oversee uh basically this thing. Th- this thing. Mm. Uh, I, I only read a little bit of it, but it... it it's pretty 
crazy. And it's yeah. exactly the kinds of things that this government has been doing is just like protecting their own interests and the Completely. interests of, yeah. of, of the wealthy elite. Mm-hmm. Hopefully um, more, I mean, not hopefully more of that stuff happens, but hopefully some of the more, more information comes out. But again, yeah, like, I want that one to explode. Yeah, but one, how much damning evidence has to come out for any of this exactly, to change? Exactly. There's Cl- like there's enough. compilations. Or, I mean, yeah. especially when you have the, the current pressing issue of NACOPs. Yeah, I mean, I get why that one's taking center stage. <laughs> it's, it makes sense. A long time coming to talk about that. So, so basically, this episode will be coming out after we know what our future is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's in the future anterior. This mm-hmm. will have had happened. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or this will have. <laughs> this will have happened. Yeah, so you will have all like we will not be able to teach the teachers. We will have taught the teachers. They have already been taught by the collapse of the world as we know mm-hmm. it exactly so which is what will happen if the harper government is in yep yeah, yeah. we're done we're done u.s will probably invade us mm-hmm. because we have water and we're selling it for too high a price don't invade us we'll just hand it over yeah probably <laughs> anyways so okay speaking of time sensitive uh, issues there's also something that's very time specific to today while we're recording Today is October 7th. This is the women recording. Today is the end of the world. It sure is. Mm-hmm. So we might not even, you, no one at home might even hear this podcast at all. This yeah. The election uh, might be completely extraneous. Yeah, yeah it won't even matter. Happened. You won't even have <laughs> yeah. to worry about it. Because apparently, as of today, we are going to die in a fiery blaze. Correct. The world is gone. Mm-hmm. According to uh, a, a online church group, uh, the e-Bible group, uh, they basically said that uh, October 7th is the day that uh, the world will end. And he, he's, the, the guy, I can't remember his name, his, his, uh, he's pretty adamant about it. Um, basically, the, the, uh, the blood moon that we just experienced the blood moon super moon that we had in the eclipse um was like basically the the sounding bells of the the final countdown mm-hmm. um who was saying this again i can't remember his name but he's from a group called <coughs> e-bible uh e-bible. can you can you can you borcelli this uh mm-hmm. nick it uh, basically borcelli e-bible october 7th end of the world and it's a certain guy he, he you know he he runs the online forum group or whatever this is that this collective of, of uh, mm-hmm. Christians, um, he he talks about other references uh, from other people who have said, "Oh, it's going to be the end of the world in 2011, mm-hmm. 2012." 2012. Yeah, um, wasn't and, that one recently? <laughs> well, September twenty third was supposed to be. Well, the September twenty third was the the super wasn't it? it the, oh yeah, it was a. Uh, oh, and then there is. Something with all the numbers. No, maybe that was 2012. 12, 12, well, 12. Bas- yeah. basically, yes. Yeah, su- Two thousand twelve was like. The Some big of them the big ones, yeah. and uh, then there was uh, another guy who had he had changed a few dates after 2012, and he said miscalculations. Well, he said the the guy from eBible. Do you have, do you have the name? Chris McCann. Chris McCann uh, has said that that guy uh, wasn't wrong. He basically misunderstood. Mm. Basically, uh, the date that he had. Uh, figured out from the Bible and through the teachings of, I don't know what they're reading uh, in order to come up with these truths. But Mm -hmm. uh, he said that 
that was the end of the time when God was judging uh, Christian churchgoers. Got it. And so God promised to uh, spend the next 1,600 days uh, judging people who are non-Christian churchgoers. And then, and today is the day where he should be done that, I guess. Like he's done judging that. And uh, now he's judging. Well, what time, what time is it now uh, in Mountain Standard Time? 951. 951. So... Uh, according to our day or? i don't know sometime like what sometime in what time zone i don't know yeah but we're probably gonna blow up in a blaze Any of glory because it's yeah. october 8th in a lot of the world yeah right that's now. true unless this garage just got like oh um, yeah we haven't really been outside since the piss break <laughs> yeah, i don't know we could be floating like it is really, an insulated really garage yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we uh, we haven't right stayed tuned to the the news at all. I haven't heard anything about a meteor. Has everyone coming else been to... raptured? And we're, we're yeah, maybe we're, we're saved. Maybe we're just all really good people. Maybe we actually that already to risen to heaven. Yeah, right now this is very and this heavenly. is our heaven. Yeah. Heaven is podcast <laughs> or the rest of the earth outside of this. No, because Nick's here. Away <laughs> oh, you're right. Don't listen to them, Nick. Again, chipmunk <laughs> voice coming after the master. <laughs> What's that, chipmunk? Say something, because I can also post-edit your edits. Can you? Mm-hmm. Oh. It's the power of technology. The power <laughs> of having the final say. Anyway, so I hope that that's not true. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're pretty close to the end of the day here and pretty much the end of the day in whatever time zone you're in that I'm going to say that I'm calling bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm calling bullshit on it. We're safe. I'm he's really wrong. excited for the backpedaling mm-hmm. or how they're oh, yeah. rearrange tomorrow. it. Tomorrow morning, I want, I want to hear what he's like. Well, actually, I just crunched some new numbers. <laughs> Clearly, I read it wrong. And uh, uh, I forgot to to subtract a one. So yeah. it's going to be this time next year. Speaking of X-Files, do you remember that episode with the end of the world people? The cult that meets every, and then it just becomes a party? Oh. Okay, never mind. Are you talking about the X-Files one that was the conclusion of the show Millennium? Do you remember the show Millennium with Lance Henriksen? I remember no, the show. I, don't I, know. I, I remember the show Millennium. I so Millennium, lot, I Millennium I totally forget how it was goes. created by Chris Carter as well. Uh-huh. It, it was starring Lance Henriksen as an FBI profiler who investigates uh, things that he doesn't understand and the dark, dark mm-hmm, side of mm-hmm. humanity uh, and basically through its show was leading up to the end of the world like the four horsemen of the apocalypse classic biblical end of the world then they canceled the show Mm. the next files comes on the next season and in order to wrap up his storyline they do it in one single episode and by the end by the end by by the end of millennium he was his family was had disappeared Mm mm-hmm he was gone and he had been arrested for their disappearance basically I, i i if i recall flash forward to x-files Mulder and scully go visit they're they're investigating something weird yeah and they they are investigating a cult or something and, and it leads them to lance henriksen who's now in a mental institution okay yeah 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 that's yeah, the one he's in a mental institution and and Mulder Mulder's familiar with it what he's been doing he's like yeah you know i've read about this guy he he's not crazy mm-hmm. uh I, I i've always wanted to talk to him and so they go talk to him and then Basically, they end the entire series of Millennium by killing who would be the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and they the apocalypse is it's uh, fine. Ab- it's uh, abated, mm-hmm. delayed, and it's like great. 
one episode done of x-files it was so disheartening mm-hmm. so sad but was the other show good millennium i loved it okay. yeah millennium was, millennium was really good okay, super dark I'm gonna do it. these were the shows like uh mm-hmm. that and um do you remember american gothic mm-hmm. those were shows that if they came out now would kill it yeah. oh they, yeah, they, yeah. they had no network that could handle the darkness that they yeah. wanted to show mm-hmm. they couldn't do as much as they wanted to on on prime time right yeah yeah, the HBOs of the world, mm-hmm. if they would have those shows now. Yeah. So uh, I think we're going to move to Book of Questions. Are we ready for Book of Questions? Oh, yeah. Sure. I, I think you I think picked there's a, a you, transition, you transitional picked a, one. You've picked a good one. Uh, and you're, you, you, it's the guest's honor. Nor- oh, normally, <laughs> normally, this is random. We asked Jesse to pick one before the episode that might be somewhat topical or related to the the bleakness that is the world. Got it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready, Sean? One sec. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, what would you do if you alone knew that in precisely 20 years the sun would explode and the world would end? You alone know this. Oh, I alone know this. Am Mm -hmm. I able to tell people? Um... If you want, that's part of the decision. Well, in order to answer this question right now, you're going to have to tell people. (laughs) Yeah. So 20 years. You know what's going to happen in 20 years. In in 20 years, it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. In precisely 20 years, the sun would explode and the world would end. 20 years from now. And there's nothing I can do about it. I wouldn't say a damn word, but I would definitely change a lot of things. Yeah. Would you like change things in other people or just like your own life? I I think I would, you know, encourage people to live Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you think of, though? Yeah, yeah. What's the fir- very first thing? Don't be politically correct. Just the first, like, primal <laughs> thing that comes to your mind. But 20 years is when not... Like, I'm like, I might be dead is, in 20 yeah, years yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Who knows what will happen? Yeah, I mean, you still got to feed yourself for 20 years. <laughs> would you, you feel more free, rules. though? Like, in terms of careers? In terms and of like, career? Absolutely. Because, I mean, would you feel more like, free or would you feel more rushed? Because 20 years is a... It yeah, happens fast. I'd feel free. I'd feel like I'd, free, I'd feel so free. Because I don't... Well... I don't know. What does freedom mean to you, though, Jesse? In a certain way. So I don't know this. I, I'm not really super stoked about reti- the whole idea of retirement and stuff. I'd rather work longer for less, you know, throughout my whole life. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd mm-hmm. rather work less now and then just longer. Right. But I think a lot of people worry about that. Like, what's my life going to be like when I retire, when I'm done? And I feel like you would spend your money differently. You wouldn't. Uh, In 20 you, years, you're going to be 52. Yeah, exactly. So then maybe that's the time when you start spending your money and doing no, stuff. No, you can't. No, exactly. So by knowing that that's not going to happen, then you, I think you would change things. You wouldn't worry about debt load right now, would you? No, totally. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the first that's thing I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the yeah. Debt. Get all sorts of credit cards. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would max out. I would feel way more. Like, I would take more risks. I'd travel a lot. I would I'd, just I'd take more risks. I don't so, know. <clears throat> so this is the idea that only you know this and the rest of the world doesn't. Yeah. That's what it says. It makes a point of saying only you. So that's a big difference because totally. obviously uh, if the whole world knew we were done in 20 years, yeah, that's another uh, question. a bank is not going to lend us any money. Yeah, be like, the, that'd what? be the worst. You, yeah. you being the only one who knows is actually It's the awesome. best, yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't have any kids. Yeah, that'd be Or cool. would I? <laughs> oh. I know. I've had this question for real, though. If the, if the world is ending, you know, do you have kids? No, because like, when they get to 18... And you're, and they're like, wait, what? The world's ending. And you knew this whole time. 
and you brought me into this world. And you made me go to school for 12 years. <laughs> yeah. And you wasted <laughs> my time going to school. Maybe you don't put them in school. I wouldn't have put them in school. Yeah. yeah. They no. just have a really good. What if they just have a really amazing 18 years? I would focus on finishing a lot of video games. Anyways, <laughs> guilt free. Guilt free. Being like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Spend yeah, I could be spending more time <laughs> doing art, but who gives a shit? No I'm, one's going to see it in 20 years. It's I'm, done. I'm yeah, that's the thing. Do you think people would live more like for what they want now, you know, like in terms of being more immediate or Yeah, see, here's a here's one of the okay. Little insight into Sean Borcelli here. Okay. The first thing I think about is sex. Yeah. I thought about sex too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought about sex too, but yeah. like we're all in relationships <laughs> and it's like what do you what do you do? Do you do you do you like I'm not worried about if 20 years with if, if like like let's say like uh the person you're with is the person you're going to you you decide you're going to be with forever mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that forever is 20 years. Whoa. What do you how does that change that? I think I'm okay with it. You're okay I mean, with what? What part? Like staying the same. Like, I don't know. Staying the Status same. Status quo? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because we actually talk about that the world might end in 20 years. This question isn't that. It's, it's You and your partner? Yeah. yeah. You talk about this? Yeah. See, I just assume that eventually, even not knowing the, the future, that I'm going to fail and I'll be put out on my ass at some point. So I might as well just do that for myself now. <laughs> That's a terrible way to look at things. And and just coast from town to town, <laughs> brothel to brothel, drug den to drug den. Yeah, would you do more drugs if the world was ending Definitely. in 20 years? Oh, yeah, yes. why not? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about smoking. Yeah, no, for sure. I wouldn't worry about alcoholism. Food. Would you just eat whatever you wanted? Would you I'd go for it? I would steal week. things. Yeah. I, but I mean, I mean, okay, in 20 years. Because you still want to have an enjoyable life for 20 exact, years. Exactly. So it's that balance of like, how can I live? I would map out, you know what? I would really reserve a lot of things for that last like five years. Like I'd save like, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. when all the, the debaucheries really going to start. So you, so you save a bunch of money for the last five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to mm-hmm. blow, save, blow save a lot of money just for like. Oh man, these last yeah. five years of my life are going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, you take it easy. You enjoy the first few Star Wars that come out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing with that mentality. Okay, so I I have a partner, Natalie, who we've talked about on this podcast. Um, she has two kids, which are my kids. I love everyone so much. But would I tell them about this end of the world scenario? Yeah, that's a good question. Because, yeah, do you want them to be able to delight in the knowledge? Or or, or, or would risk it be also, because everyone's there, would be like, oh, my God, like, yeah, is your partner going to leave you? If or what know? are people's priorities? Do yeah. I care about uh, teaching my kids yeah. anything? Mm-hmm. Or do I just make sure that they're really into nerdy stuff so that they can but this have is... some alternate fantasy of what's cool in the world? Before but they die. This as is opposed a beautiful to care- question. You don't, you don't need to worry about politics anymore. Who cares about politics? You got 20 years. But so what if this is such a beautiful question because it's like actually gets at that idea of like what if they're, you know, this transcendent thing like I'm doing what I'm doing now to have some sort of result in the future was removed from our thinking. What would people do? You know, yeah. would, you're saying you wouldn't go to school. 
some people like i would go to school all the time <laughs> because i love learning like that's how i get oh pleasure. no I, I, yeah. that's how i get i, I no, wouldn't but go to you know school what to I mean? do it i would just i'd be getting the books yeah, yeah exactly i'd be i would you'd be, have the time. I would so be much more free to read like i wouldn't yeah. be worried spend that time exactly about um making sure that i had paid my bill that day exactly because i'd be like no i'm gonna stay home today oh mm-hmm. i called in sick for work again i guess i'll just get another stupid job enough mm-hmm. to just pay for the time that i have mm-hmm. or you know what 20 years i would finally do a big bank heist yeah oh mm-hmm. i'd do it i would do something like that I'd be like you know what who cares mm-hmm. yeah if it, if it works out i have way more money to spend in my last few years if it doesn't work out i'm gonna tell everybody that the world's ending and they won't put me in jail <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know like yeah. um i mean you'd have to prove it nobody believes. yeah you. that's the, that's the other thing yeah. yeah but how would you have been told in the first place I'm you'd, you'd be just some... like all these people you just know all of a sudden yeah, yeah. well that homer simpson uh that simpson's episode where homer simpson he gets the crayon pulled out of his brain and he all of a sudden becomes oh, yeah. very smart oh, and yeah. he just starts handing out pamphlets about how he's disproved God. <laughs> Flanders is like, oh boy. But, but, that, but that one is a mathematical proof. He reads, Matt, Flanders <laughs> checks it out and he goes, oh, well, uh, you got me there. It's pretty pretty, pretty sound. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's different. This is like, you know the sun's going to explode, but there's no like, it's it doesn't look like it's going to explode. Scientists don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other thing. Uh, I would hope that it just ends that in 20 years exactly as opposed to being like the last three years it's just getting really fucking yeah. hot. Yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. <sucks. laughs> yeah. Or just, yeah, it's gradual yeah. decline. Well, that's when you like Velma and Louise off of... Off of Thelma and Louise. Vel- Velma and Louise. Did I say Velma? Jinkies. I meant to say Thelma. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jinkies. <laughs> that was a Scooby-Doo reference. Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> well... So what are we going to do then? 20 years. <laughs> I wouldn't watch any more Scooby-Doo. I would, tra- I would travel a lot, and I would definitely try to make some... But you need to be able to afford to travel. No, no, but that's the whole thing. I don't. That's the thing. I want the stowaway lifestyle. That's what I've always wanted to do. That whole, like, climbing and sneaking aboard a steam ship. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. some sort of a freighter, or, like, doing that, <clears throat> bartering your way across, doing it for no money. Yeah. I'm too afraid to do it now. Because you're afraid that you might not be able to get back. Exactly. But if it's 20 years, I don't care. I'm mm-hmm. doing it. It's like it's like the... Uh, it, okay, it, so would you would you take uh, your lady with you? Yeah, probably. I'd invite her. <laughs> <laughs> but but She'd not, say she'd no. I wouldn't to, yeah. tell her the world's ending. She'd be wouldn't like, I was oh, doing yeah, it. Yeah. You know, so like when it comes down to like the 11th hour and she's like, remember when you just left me? I said, well, I invited you. Like, why didn't you tell me about the end of the world? I'd be like, it wasn't allowed to. <laughs> I couldn't be sure. Yeah, that it was real. I just knew it. One I was day, just. So. I was just very sure. So I <laughs> left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I I feel more selfish. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'd be like so you much just more do, selfish. Well, yeah, and especially if only you know. No, I don't know. I feel like yeah. Because you could even tell your girlfriend, sh- or or your, like anybody, you can never th- prove it. You so can never it prove it. And how how would they believe you? You'd have to be yeah. like really certain, and then they'd be like, "I believe you," <laughs> and then they'd take you to get help. Yeah, and it's like, especially if it went on and on. Yeah, and you're exactly. Like, Don't worry, I'm okay. It's it okay. doesn't and matter. You, like yeah. change everything about you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. 
Wow. Well, to be honest, 20 years uh, for me, that's like, holy shit, I, I'm going to live for another 20 years. I know. That's why <laughs> this yeah. question, I would, I would. Good luck me even getting to that 20 years. Yeah. So maybe I should be living my life that way now anyways. I think that's mm. the, what the question is revealing. Oh. Huh. What if we were to actually live our lives like that? The way we actually want to. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, man. This is heavy. It's a nice... Uh, <sighs> no, it's actually terrible. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> what a nice, beautiful, yeah. terrifying, <laughs> awful thought. <laughs> yep. But there's rules. They're all there made are, up. Th- yeah, They're we make these up. own rules. These constructs. Okay, do you have any other questions? I don't <laughs> want to talk about this anymore. This is actually depressing. I think I had a, a sillier question as well. Um, okay. Would you be willing to eat a bowl of live cr- crickets for $5,000? What is the least amount of money you'd take to do this? How big is the bowl? It's a completely different topic. Yeah, how big's the bowl? It doesn't um, really a, a bowl of live crickets. Hmm, do I get to decide? It's probably, it's like an like a mixing bowl size. Whoa, that's a huge bowl. <laughs> that's big. That's a big yeah, How bowl. can you even yeah, eat that in 5, one sitting? 000. Well, it doesn't say one set- sitting. Oh, really? Just eat a Can eat we a assume it's in one sitting? Yeah, but you can like take. I'm your thinking time. like cereal bowl. Okay. No, I think well, like, but you like the. It's like a big cereal bowl. Okay. For, like a lot oh, it's of like cereal. a soup bowl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big soup bowl. And it says for five thousand. Five thousand. Like a raw. Okay, well, I do it for five thousand. Yeah, I do it. I would absolutely do it for five thousand. How low would you go? Five thousand. Uh, four thousand. I think. Yeah, one grand is not enough. How are they cooked? They're live. If if I could wait, throw live crickets. Like, yeah, you have to eat them alive. If I could throw some hot sauce live. into the bowl with live them. crickets. Oh, no one says you can't add hot sauce. Yeah, you could yeah, probably adding do stuff some to hot them. sauce. Yeah, crickets they have are to perfectly be live. edible. Yeah, crickets are yummy. I know. I I've I've had a cricket before, and I've had a grasshopper before. Mm-hmm. For, for I had a, a, a like, they were like, not sauté, but basically like baked and spicy. The mm-hmm. crickets. Yeah. And the, and the grasshopper was chocolate covered. So it's just crunchy, basically. Yeah, it was crunchy. I don't really taste anything. No, it was very nutty tasting even, too. (coughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. But alive, I have a problem with anything alive. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's right to them. (laughs) To eat them while they're alive. Yeah. All right, so a thousand bucks. No, (laughs) 10,000. What about 5,000? Yeah, but I didn't realize it was live. Oh. So now you wouldn't eat them. First of all, how do you keep, uh, first of all, how do you keep (laughs) a bowl of live crickets? Without, like, in the bowl, for one thing. You just have to put a little screen on a screen it. Screen on top and just... pick sl- them out. Oh, yeah. man. It would take so long. How much is my time worth? I think I have to go mm-hmm. 10. No. That's the lowest <laughs> I go? I would do it for five. I think I would do it for five, too. I, I really, I really need five. I really need that right now. <laughs> I'm into some people for some money. Yeah. Gotta, get on, gotta jump on that ship yeah. well, any day now. Life or death. <laughs> And if the sun was going to explode in 20 years. Yeah. Would your answer change if the yeah, sun I was going to explode yeah, in 20 years? It, I would do it for four again. I'll go back to four. <laughs> yeah. I'd do it for pretty low if the sun's going to explode for the experience. Bucket list. And to get me anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. To bribe. That was completely off topic. Captains. I just thought I'd throw that in there. That was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Oh. I, I, that one brought up way less yeah. like I was existential, to buffer, uh, yeah. existential issues. Dredge. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about end of the world. We're kind of getting into our second half of the, the 
podcast where we just digress. <laughs> and we were going to talk about this stuff uh, this earlier. This is the part where we digress. Yeah, we're digressing oh, right okay. now. We're digressing. <laughs> the book of questions. Oh, if you can hand me that book, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so we make sure we say it at home. Uh, this is the questions G- uh, Jesse was asking was from the book of questions written by Gregory Stock, PhD. So that could also be read as Dr. Gregory Stock, if you read it all first before saying it out loud. Or Gregory Stock, food. Food. <laughs> food. Um, great book. Um, lots of questions in there. Good one around the campfire. Um, we do that on so far on every episode. Um, he actually has a book of questions on love and sex. Which we're going to order tonight. You're going to do it tonight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have room on my credit card again. Nice. Yep. <laughs> also preparing for um, our future uh, mini-series on uh, bedroom. Bedroom? Yeah. Bedroom sex. Bedroom... Uh, Sleeping. Tomfoolery. Bedroom shenanigans. Bedroom drapes. Feng Shui. No. Tidying? No, we're not talking about tidying or feng shui anytime soon. Jesse, really good to have you on the Thank show. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks fun. for this having me. Fun. Yeah, it was super fun. We've covered a lot. <laughs> we're going to have you back if you want to come uh, back. Sure, yeah. Might I also say, uh, Michael, your mustache is looking amazing. I know. Why is that? <laughs> You've been trying something new? I've been using Uncle Norman's mustache tamer. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's actually a sponsor of our podcast. Oh, right. That's where I've heard of it. Yeah, uh, right here on this show, Uncle Norma's Mustache Tamer. It looks amazing. It's glistening. It's well-shaped. Uh, it actually looks like a mustache, where previously it looked like a bare lip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Thanks, Uncle Norman. Bye, Jesse. Bye. Bye. Wish I had a button to make Sean sound like a chipmunk. You do. You just haven't figured out your machine yet. <laughs> a professional sound guy would have made me sound like a chipmunk a long time ago.